0: Welcome
1: to More Than Myths. Hi, everybody. Welcome to More Than Myths. I'm still getting over a cold and I sound a little cool, but a little bit not cool. So I'm sorry.
0: A little gruff.
1: A little gruff. It's great. Um, But a little sexy also. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't smoke a pack of cigarettes, but maybe I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Um, We're excited that you're here. Um, First and foremost, this is our first time recording after our launch, and we are so excited to see People joining us and listening to our crazy stories.
0: It's really amazing. It's, yeah, I never expected for people to follow us, really. I mean, it was just for fun, you know, and having people tell us that they liked our stories. And, you know, that's really exciting. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Yeah, we have some goodies. At least I know mine's a goodie tonight. So I don't know about Haley. Like, it's probably pretty okay
0: it's probably boring as shit
1: (laughs) no no i'm sure it'll leave us with nightmares because that seems to be your theme no
0: no nope i told you that i no nightmares not tonight not tonight wow i know i know i did you a solid i did you a solid Do you have
1: any episode last week with my dad visiting us? It was uh, really fun to have a guest on.
0: It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've already started rethinking my vampire killing kit. So, yeah, for
1: sure. For sure. (laughs) Um, I'm drinking a martini right now. And this is relevant. How? Because it's a martini with garlic olives. (gasps) So. You're safe. I'm killing two birds with one stone. Vampire protection. Two vampires. a little bit of a buzz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I'm drinking because the last time I did, you made fun of me. So.
1: Oh, let me I guess. I just
0: have a beverage. I just have a pumpkin beverage. Pumpkin have no, tea I just... with mm. pumpkin spice milk. You don't know me.
1: <laughs> um. Also, happy Scorpio season, you guys. Just Ooh, happy Scorpio season. Into Scorpio season, which is cool.
0: Do you know any Scorpios, Haley? I don't. I don't my know brother. if I know any Scorpios.
1: Yeah, my brother's I a Scorpio. So. And oh, so I do. So I do know money. one. You know one.
0: Yeah. I know one.
1: <laughs> um so happy birthday, Steve. <laughs>
0: Ooh, yeah, happy birthday.
1: How is your week? How are you?
0: Uh I'm good. I was off for a couple weeks and we are just now back from a small hiatus and it's nice. It's good being back to work and kind of being back on a schedule versus, you know, staying up until 3 or 4 in the morning. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I my schedule got so screwed up. So Yeah, there I'm were times right. I on a schedule. There were
1: times where I'd text you and I was like, Oh, she'll be asleep. And you got right back to me. I was like, excuse yeah. me, ma'am, it's past your bedtime. <laughs>
0: it's it's past Tub and Tuck in. What are you still doing up?
1: Yeah. You're like, ex- uh, yeah, I was floored how much you stayed up late. <laughs> but I was also so pleased to be able to get a hold of you in, in you know, my peak hours. So
0: <laughs> in the yeah, when you needed me, I was there instead of Yeah. <laughs> sound sleep. <laughs>
1: it was perfect. It was perfect. Um yeah, I had a good week. I'm How's still getting week? over this yeah? fucking cold. You so do I sound a cold. lot
0: better. No, Not as much coughing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I got a cold like last week, but it's just been hanging on. And even like, yeah. even my workouts, I feel like just like my arms are pasta noodles after they've been cooked. Just wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> wiggly i feel like pasta noodles so yeah but that's like i'm still feeling like that so anyway it's just whatever this was it kicked my butt
0: so do you want to go first do you want yeah. me to go first do you want to flip another coin no i don't want to figure out coin. some kind of system i know you don't hey, want if flip you guys have ideas on
1: like how we could consistently choose is going yeah. to go first send them i think i'll go first though you went for okay. the last time. I mean, maybe we just switch. Maybe it's that. Simple. Yeah, we
0: could do that. Yeah, we maybe can just, just switch every other week. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm ready to listen to your, your oh, soul
1: training voice. Okay. I'm so excited. So I was interested in one thing this week and was kind of going down that path, and then came across something that I wasn't actually aware was based off of like based off of folklore mythology and then I got really excited about it and so I scrapped all my other notes and started over
0: (laughs) what (laughs) time did you can I ask is that is that a fair question it may have
1: been two or three hours ago (laughs) (laughs) but maybe not who's counting who cares (laughs) who cares um so I got as much information as I could before our episode, but I'm really excited about it. I am co- covering a doulahan.
0: A what? Say it again. Dulahan. Dulahan?
1: Yeah. I'm okay. ready.
0: I don't okay. have any idea what you just said to me.
1: <laughs> it's going to be great because you do. Um, but it, in a different way. So anyway, it's... A Dullahan is based off of Irish folklore, um, and it's considered a dark fairy and not like Tinkerbell. Fairies in Irish folklore are like mystical beings, and they're either considered light or dark. So it's an unseelie. So this Irish folktale has actually been brought over to the U.S., and the U.S. has a very prominent American folktale that most people have heard of and it's the legend of sleepy hollow (gasps) this is the headless horseman and the origin you're doing the the headless Headless horseman Horseman. Ah! Yes.
0: okay i'm ready oh my gosh i'm so excited i saw
1: headless horseman on this research i was doing and i about peed my pants that it was (laughs) a topic i could research and cover so that's well, I got very excited about it and decided to go for it. So um, <laughs> nice. the origin of the Headless Horseman or the Dullahan, um dated back far, like much older than Washington Irving's story of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So hundreds of years, if not more. So very much like the black dog, it's known as an omen of death, but in Celtic folklore – and its counterpart would be a banshee. And I Banshee was what I was going to cover. And then this is how I kind of got across that. <laughs> banshees scare me. Uh I thought Banshees were scarier. Anyway, I'm not gonna go down to it. I got I was researching banshees, and then found Doolahan. I was like, oh no, we're going that way. So but like a Banshee, it's a harbinger of death, but darker. So it's usually has a more um, malevolent being or contempt or revenge, there's something negative about the Dula you know? So also like most fairy tales, these were used to make light or explain how something occurred. So kind of like you were saying with Finn folk, it was much easier to say someone was taken than actually died you know, or
0: in real life, yeah. if someone
1: was decapitated, it was much easier to blame that on the Dulahan and not, you know, the possibility of someone doing a murderer. That. Yeah. So, um, this helped people who were scared of death, explain it and understand it more. And that's where a lot of Celtic stories and variations kind of, that's their kind of origin is how can we explain this in a way that's less intimidating or at least also unexplainable, kind of like death? So anyway, yeah, hands always appear at midnight. And something I read is that it's not just the person who runs into them. Like, townspeople can hear them go through the town. So they always have their doors closed, shutters closed, curtains drawn, you know. They don't want anything to do with it. They're home. They're locked down at midnight. They're, you won't catch a townsfolk on the road.
0: Is it – so you say that they can hear them. Is it like they can hear their horse go through town or is it like a wind? Yeah.
1: No, they can hear the hoo- like the hooves of the oh, horse. Oh, that's
0: awful. That's I don't like that at all. <laughs> right?
1: Because I didn't even imagine galloping. I just imagined like yeah. slow – Oh, also town. that's what I
0: thought is just a Mm-mm. slow walk through town. Yep. Just and you that know that none walk. of the
1: other townspeople are out there, you know? And it's like nope, 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 nope. Ooh. I don't think so. Anyway, so the unsealys going back kind of to the dark fairy, the unsealys are known to take over for the sealies at this time of year, so during the harvest period, um, which is why. Uh, especially in like The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And, and with Dulahan, they get associated around Halloween time because it's harvest, it's seasonal, it's yeah. this time of year gets darker, mm-hmm. all of that. So it, yeah. there's an explanation of for why it, it's brought up at this time of year. So it's also said in Celtic tradition before the 6th century that they would make human sacrifices by beheading to the God um, Crumdov, which means black crooked one. So it was a Celtic god. yeah. uh-huh. that yeah.
0: I wish you could see my face because that just is to to all of our friends. I wish that they could see my face because it was a horrified look. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah. And so it said that Dulahan is an embodiment embodiment of that God. Because also in the 6th century, like up to the 6th century, they practiced this sacrificial thing where they would sacrifice people every year by beheading them. And then this stopped after Christianity was brought to Ireland in the 6th century. So their explanation was these sacrifices stopped and now this God has has an own, his own embodiment. And... And then you have a pissed off God who's coming to get the heads himself. (laughs) Oh, no. So as I said earlier, he's known for being – he or she. So it's not just one. They can be multiple and sometimes more frequently women as well. But they're known for being a malevolent spirit, a bringer of death, and they're usually like after anyone that crosses their path. So if you run into one, you're not getting away. It's not a warning. It's a death sentence. And so I said, and you guessed it. If you cross their path, you'll probably lose your head, <laughs> <laughs> which is accurate. So they they want to invoke what they went through. So they're also said to be oh, – like yeah. their other origin is said to be people who have died by beheading or by decapitation and – are coming back to wreak havoc and revenge on yeah. innocence. So not even the people that wronged them, just they're trying to take everybody down with them. They're just yeah, pissed they're just and angry. the world burn. Yeah, or the world decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they would come back to seek revenge for their brutal death by taking the souls down with them. That's what I wrote. So now we're going to kind of go into what they would look like so and like how you would see them. So they're known to drive. They're always on a horse or horseback. Sometimes the horse is even headless, which is. So you have a
0: headless horse and a headless guy or girl or gal
1: or gal, headless horse gal,
0: horse person,
1: horse girl.
0: (laughs) There you go. But the horse doesn't have a head either.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's depicted that way. Um, Or another way it's depicted is a carriage driven by a headless coachman uh, pulled by six horses. Um, And the horses are moving so quickly that their eyes and the hooves, where their hooves have been, have like caught fire. You know, like it (gasps) sparked heat. And so it's like they leave a trail of fire where they've been um yeah that's intense. Seriously. um and yeah the the some of the photos i saw from them were just the horses are demonistic themselves you know yeah they're not pretty nothing's no pretty wonder about all these happening. people stayed
0: in their houses i'd stay in my house too that's terrifying a yeah. headless on fire horse <laughs> or not on not headless and on, on fire i'd stay in my house too
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. Um so the carriage is said to be adorned with death. So bone human bones, coffins, skulls that have candles secured to them, literally a carriage of death. So it's not there's nothing welcoming about it. It's literally it's signifying an evil intent to take innocent lives it's spooky that is spooky also the horseman is said to have a whip and the whip is made of human spines
0: ew i was hoping you weren't (laughs) gonna say that that's just that's so gross ew
1: this is what i was writing earlier and you're like what's wrong and i was like yuck Yucky! It's yucky.
0: <laughs> That's what's wrong. So, this is this is fucking gross.
1: Yeah. No wonder I back today. I was just like,
0: oh, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so their heads. So the head of the horseman is either. Hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need a drink of a martini. Okay. So the head of the horseman is. Said to either be carried under their arm, or floating beside them, but the creepiest one I saw was actually they carry their head in a satchel on the side of the horse, so but so it can still peek out and see what's going on around it.
0: Gross,
1: Haley. It's gonna get disgusting. It's about to get so much worse. So, so here's the description of the head. And this is actually from Thomas Crofton Croker. Let me grab the book because I want to make sure. I. Um, It's called Fairies and Legends of South Ireland. And I'm going to read the quote from the book because it's just really gross. And I don't think I would be able to say it in a way. <laughs> and such a head no mortal ever saw before. It looked like a large cream cheese. Hung round with black puddings. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Just. just, That's fucking
1: disgusting. I know. (laughs) No speck of colored color enlivened the ashy paleness of the depressed features. The skin lay stretched over the unearthly surface, almost like a parchment on the head of a drum. Two fiery eyes of prodigious circumference with a strange and irregular motion flashed like meteors, like like darting around. And to complete it all, a mouth reached from either extremity of two ears, which peeped forth from under a profession of matted locks of lustrous blackness. But anyway, it's gross. All of it's gross. So I just want to recap that I also read outside of this quote that the face was known known to be like smelly old cheese. That's so gross. The fiery eyes were constantly... (laughs) The fiery eyes were constantly looking for a new victim. <laughs> I wrote black <laughs> and a wide, Gross. tight grin from ear to ear. Oh, like, yeah, What they were That's doing horrible. was they loved what they were doing. Like, it was, oh. it was joyful.
0: Gross being so a head
1: cheese. <laughs> so- I don't know <laughs> that I'm going to look at cream cheese the same ever again, which is really sad because it's fucking delicious. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh,
0: Okay. We laugh because it's really uncomfortable.
1: It's uncomfortable laughter. (laughs) But it's also just like, I never thought in my life that I would read a description like that. Oh shit! Okay, what you can't see is Haley and I in literal tears.
0: Conversation. Yuck! I can't imagine how how terrifying that would be to walk upon a head in a bag with scary, fiery eyes looking at you, grinning.
1: Grinning, oh the grin! It's all—it's the—it's the three things of like it smells Yuck. and it's grinning and it's oh. the fire in the eyes that are like constantly like, and I bet they just lock on you, right? You know, like once now, they I, find a victim.
0: So does it explain? Okay, so I know you said that they have it under their arm too. It doesn't look like that when it's under their arm. This is what it looks like only if it's in the bag. Do they see? No, it
1: this is under their always, arm? Okay, no. <sighs> this is always the head
0: in the bag though right no but regardless oh fuck that's regardless so he under his arm oh gross
1: ew yeah uh huh you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) okay so now we're gonna take a hop across the pond we're gonna come to new york 1790 and we're going to talk about the legend of sleepy hollow because I wanted to tell this story just in a quick recap. And so the Dullahan is the origin of the headless horseman as we know today and definitely where Washington Irving got his ideas from about this American folktale. Here we go. 1790 countryside, 34 miles away from New York city lies the town of Sleepy Hollow. And this shit's real, by the way. There is a Sleepy real Hollow's town. Sleepy a real
0: place. Yeah.
1: And they have parties and festivals every year. And like oh, my God. Let's go. Book, and it's all around Halloween. That's which amazing. Which is now on my bucket list of places I'd like yeah. to go to visit. Yes. So anyway, the residents of Sleepy Hollow were known to be subjected to mysterious activity, ghost stories, they were all superstitious. They all had reason to be superstitious. The The area was definitely heavy in paranormal activity, right? They were, they were used to it. There was a legend in town that a horse, a man on a horse w- with no head, would ride oh. through town at midnight, and he was killed by a cannon blowing his head off during the war. Yeah, that's how he died. That's awful. That's awful. This was one of, like, again, this whole area was full of superstitions and there were different places around town that had ghostly activity or a ghost story that was linked to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody knew about the Headless Horseman. Ichabod Crane, this lanky dude who teaches school from Connecticut, so he's not a local. He was known around the town being very kind, very helpful. The women liked talking to him because he was pretty smart and he would and he was all he was very superstitious himself so he'd always listen to like the old ladies in town tell about the different ghost tales and he was very curious and so they loved that they mm. act, he would actually stop and listen to them mm-hmm. so ichabod was in love with katrina van Tussel, van tassel but so was Brom van front and he was actually called Brom bones was his nickname So Mm. there was like this love triangle between the three of them. Brom was known as sturdy, handsome, lived in the town his whole life, you know, kind of a brute. I imagine kind of the dick of the story, but I also haven't fully read the book or the short story, so (laughs) that's just what I'm gathering from reading it between the lines. He sounds like kind of like a blah. Anyway, Katrina's family hosts the Harvest Festival every year, and this year Ichabod went and everybody was having a great time and drinking and dancing and having fun. And in the moment, Ichabod decides to propose to Katrina, and she rejects him. Oh, no. Yeah, she tells him no, which I don't know why. I don't know why, but she tells him no. So sad, on his horse, he rides home a little bit drunk, a little bit sad.
0: <laughs> and a little bit
1: drunk. He's he's going through Sleepy Hollow and he goes by all of the haunted places. He's like, nothing happens, you know. He's just like, whatever, none of this is real. I'm sad, and I just was my heart rejected is broken. And, I'm, yeah. He's moping. Yeah. He's having a mope fest. Okay. All of a sudden, he looks up on the bridge. There's a figure in a cloak on a horse. Doesn't think anything of it at first. And then he realizes that the figure doesn't have a head. And he knows exactly, like, sobers him up, knows exactly what the fuck's yeah, going on. Right. Freaks out and tries to get away. Turns his horse around, goes the other direction and looks back to see if he is has left this you know headless horseman in the dust and to look over to see him caught up with him no what so just like imagine like oh yeah i'm like, holy shit never mind he's right there he gets knocked off his horse with gunpowder i don't it just <gasps> said gunpowder i don't know if he was shot or maybe a cannonball oh. I don't know. <laughs> he gets knocked off his horse. Is never seen again.
0: No, what?
1: Yeah. Katrina ends they up never marrying find Brom. Him? Nope. He fully <gasps> fucking vanishes and disappears. He's never heard from or seen again. Holy Cat- shit. Katrina ends up marrying Brom later. Not the next day, but later. Yeah. And it's never. Figured out what happens, at Bob Crane.
0: Holy shit!
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy? I definitely that did is not crazy. No, that's where that story went. Apparently, it's it's said that this is like it's kind of a read between the lines story ending, and you can kind of gather your own information. So there is there are like people who have the theory that it was actually Brom who was competing, who was tired of competing for her hand. He's Mm -hmm. strong. He's a strong horseman. You know, he is known for playing pranks on Ichabod and trying to, like, dissuade him and, you know, convince him to back off or whatever. And so this was the thing that he knew would actually scare Ichabod into leaving because he was superstitious. So, you know, like, everything kind of points to that fact. And then there's also the people who just want to believe that it's a ghost story and that Ichabod yeah. is taken and never seen again by the headless horseman. So Ooh. you decide what you think, guys. Okay. So then the one other thing that I wanted to bring up, and then I'm done, is that the concept of this late night, like midnight time frame, was just to dissuade people from staying too out too late drinking. Oh, Performing right. adulterous or scandalous acts, you know, that's when everybody mm-hmm. would go cheat on their wives or cheat on their husbands and it was the nighttime. And so this goes back to the change of the church coming to Ireland um, and essentially scaring them into listening to their beliefs. This is just kind of – this goes back to that same thing of like Ichabod was drunkenly going home. Right. And then gets – yeah you know
0: decapitated
1: (laughs) gets his head whacked
0: off so wow
1: but yeah i thought that was interesting that it was
0: linked to
1: you know kind of a morality you do it so you don't you don't want to get caught by the headless horseman you better be home you better be with your wife he'll be out at midnight right you know that kind of thing yeah that's so
0: the devil comes out at midnight (laughs) that kind of thing yeah yep exactly that was great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I did fun. not see it coming that he was just gonna be dead. I expected I him, like you to say yeah, and they found him in Connecticut like two years later.
1: You know, yeah, right.
0: Teaching no, well, he's school, also or... seen like
1: he's the school teacher. He's the one who's supposed to get the girl. Like he's yeah. the one who's supposed to prevail. Brahms the one supposed to be like cocky and die. Right? Come on, Washington Irving. Don't you know how these story tropes go?
0: Jeez. Get it together, man. Get it together, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, one other thing I want to say is that Sleepy Hollow and Ichabod Crane and The Headless Horseman all have really prominent pop culture references these days. And actually so Mm -hmm. much so that in 1949, Disney made The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And then they were two, like, short stories of separate, like, separate things. And Ichabod's was The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in a Disney format. And so to this day, things have been adapted and changed. And, like, The Headless Horseman is included in the, like, Disneyland Halloween parade every year.
0: Yeah. Have you watched the Disney Ichabod Sleepy Hollow? Yes. Okay.
1: I have. And I literally almost shit my pants when I realized that the toads were croaking, headless horsemen, headless horsemen. Oh, yeah. And I was like, are they saying that? And, you know, Ichabod's like dr- riding through the swamp or whatever. And it's right. just like, what is happening? Run. Yeah, get out. The fucking frogs are telling you what's right. going on right now. So, so that was great. So that's my last Halloween creepiness until Halloween. Alright, here we go. I'm getting my, like, brave juice.
0: It's not scary. I promise. I don't it's believe It's more you. informative. Okay. You're...
1: You are like, oh, you're... shadow people. They're fine. This is less scary than a yeah. ranch and Then I'm, like, sleeping with my fucking lights on for a week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I lies. promise it's not. Okay. Alright. I'm gonna tell you what it's about, and you're gonna eat your words. You're gonna gobble them up. You ready? Do you need to get more gin? No. You do?
1: I do want one do more Do it.
0: Are, are you sure?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Okay. It's a Tuesday.
0: <laughs> is it? I don't even know what day it is. is. Let's see. In 2019, the outer tomb of King Tut's coffin was removed from where he thought his mortal body, his final resting place would be. It was moved to the unfinished Grand Egyptian Museum near Giza, where it would undergo seven to nine months to try and restore and preserve as much of this coffin as possible. So that was 2019. Everybody knows what happened in 2020. Shit hit the fucking fan. The world turned upside down. Everything went bananas. Yeah. Is it because of Tutankhamun's curse? <gasps> Is it? We're going to talk about the Pharaoh's curse oh, and all of the crazy – Oh, my God. We're going to talk I'm about all of the out. crazy things so that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of information, so get ready. I'm
1: excited. I'm ready.
0: I'm going to give you some history about Tutankhamun. I'm going to give you some of the crazy things that happened in the 1920s to people that were either there when the tomb was opened – or that were related to people that were there when the tomb was open. Okay. So it could have come from any pharaoh, honestly, to protect their body and their treasures from looters, pillagers, getting their things because the Egyptian believed that you would take all of your things with you in the afterlife. So they right. would try to make it to dissuade people from taking their stuff, basically. But the one that we know the most about is King Tut. Can you name any other Egyptian pharaohs? Cuz um, I can um it's a stretch.
1: Nefertiti. And I yeah. don't think she's considered a pharaoh.
0: But I don't know. Is She'd there a different word for? I think she's just considered a, a queen. queen. Okay. Yeah, but it, I think she was kind of the same thing. But right. she's in the story. She's in the story. He's the most he's the most well-known Egyptian pharaoh. For sure. He reigned from 1332 to 1323 BCE as the 12th pharaoh of the 18th Egyptian dynasty. He was born around 1341 to pharaoh Amenhotep IV and a woman, she's only known as the younger lady. We don't know what her name is. She's anonymous. But her and Amenhotep were actually brother and sister. They were siblings. That was very common in the Egyptian royal families to keep the bloodlines pure. Very common in all royal families. Let's be real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They wanted to keep their bloodlines pure, um, keep their hold on the throne. Freaking pure bloods. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. So they gave their son the name of Tutankhaten, meaning the living, the living image of Aten. So when he was born, his father was basically flipping Egypt on its head. He, I mean, they had been doing things the same way for thousands of years. They worshipped many different gods, upwards of 2,000 different gods. And he decided, as Pharaoh, that instead of worshipping a bunch of different gods, we're only going to worship one. We're going to worship Aten, who is the sun god. So all other cults, they were considered cults. They were deemed illegal. And he moved the capital from Thebes to a city he actually built called Akhetaten. And I apologize. There's a lot of Egyptian names in here, so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> uh, he also changed his name to Akhenaten during this transition all of this upheaval and changes that he was doing. And because of the things that he was doing, he became known as the heretic king. So you would have these temples to gods and he had a bunch of temples to Otten built. But at the same time, he had a lot of the old temples closed. And that's how a lot of priests had their powers. They would have people come and worship at their temples <laughs> They would do sacrifices, things like that. And at a point, sometimes these priests actually had so much power that they rivaled the royal family, which is crazy to me. So they – you can imagine they were probably not really super stoked about him changing the way that things had been done for thousands of years.
1: And this is his dad, right?
0: This is his – this is King Tut's dad.
1: Okay, that's what
0: yeah, right, I'm yep. along. Yep. I'm good. Yep. Yep. When Tutankhamun was seven, when Tutankhamun was seven, his father died. And he needed to wait for two years. And in that two-year span, there were two different pharaohs. I'm assuming because he was only seven years old. I mean, he's just a little boy. But at nine, I don't know what is magic about that number, he ascended to the throne. He became pharaoh. And he because changed that's his name to common which means the living image of Amun.
1: Because that's when you're ready to rule. 9.
0: Right. Yes, 9. Uh yeah. so he he wanted so. to right, a 9-year-old is now the pharaoh yeah. of Egypt.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't trust my 11-year-old it, with Running
0: the house, let alone an (laughs) An entire powerful country. So he wanted to try to distinguish himself from the reign of his father, because nobody's happy about what his father did. So he moves the capital back to Thebes and he reverses all of his father's laws. In the same year that he Uh ascended to power, he married Anaxuna Moon who which is his half-sister, who that would be the daughter of his father, Akhenaten, and Queen Nefertiti. So together, they have two daughters, but they're both stillborn. So he doesn't actually have any living heirs. Tutankhamun is It is sad. Yeah. Yeah. But and also... You don't actually you hear to. anything else about... Yeah, you don't actually hear anything else about Anaxunamun. There's not a lot known about her really. But when Tutankhamen is 19 years old, he died. And that was probably really unexpected because he'd only, I mean, he was nine when he ascended to the throne. They probably expected him to live for, I mean, quite a few years. Right. You know, he at just least a young... You know, median yeah. death age. A, yeah. He was still a teenager, still considered really young. So... After his death, he disappears from history. His successor, I erased their monuments and statues were defaced and destroyed. There was a yeah. general that became Pharaoh, and he actually deliberately omitted any information about them. There were royal lists in the, of the 19th dynasty, and he wasn't on it. He what he's nowhere to be, yeah, he's nowhere to be found on any of this information. So there isn't any information about other things that he did when he ruled for that 10 years because he's associated with his father. He was it was too close after his father, and the guy mm-hmm. after him was like, We can't have this. Like this kind of stuff is too radical. That's it's too so, much. So that's so he,
1: infuriating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. The only reason, do they understand what they did? Like, seriously, they, They like, right now, you couldn't erase history, right? Yeah. Somebody caught it on their phone. Somebody did Mm -hmm. something with it. But you legit had the power to make it so someone, like, never existed or the work that they did was never never...
0: right. Wow. Yeah. And tried to write the things that his father did and, you know, (laughs) tried to make it. A little bit the upheaval that the people must have gone through, and you know he tried to put it back to the way that it was, and (laughs) he was just erased from history. So I mean, the only reason we know about him is because we found him, because we found his tomb. That's the only reason we know about King Tut is because we found his tomb. What? Yes. Yeah. Because of all of this, he is actually the best known Egyptian king. Of our time, like we know more about him and how he lived than any other Egyptian king. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Crazy. Well, you know what? Like, fuck the guy who tried to erase him. Yeah.
1: Yep. Like. Yep. Jokes on you. Mm -hmm. Jokes on you.
0: It backfired, for real. Really hard. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So the Egyptians believed that when a person died. They would take their possessions that was buried with them in order to facilitate their new life. So royalty, especially right. pharaohs, they were placed in tombs. They actually spent the majority of their life or their ruling years building their tombs because the afterlife right. was so well, it takes so long. So significant. Right. Yeah. So at the time of Tutankhamun's death, his tomb wasn't finished. So they, believe, right. there are people that believe that he was actually buried in his stepmother Queen Nefertiti's tomb.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So the pharaoh is dead, probably much earlier than anybody ever expected, but tradition dictates that the mummification process has to t- has to start immediately. It, mm-hmm. As soon as he's dead, they have to get started. It takes seventy right. days. So once that's complete, and I mean everybody's talking about it, everybody knows. Um, there's a huge funeral procession that goes from the palace to the West Bank, which is where everybody in that time, all of the royalty was buried, which is what we know now as the Valley of the Kings. Okay. They're pulling this huge sarcophagus on this sludge. And behind him, you have all of these treasures that are going to go into his tomb. Mm -hmm. People are going to see that and people are going to want that because, I mean, they might not have anything and you can... You know, I just need to get into this tomb after it's sealed up and I can steal some stuff and sell it.
1: Easy peasy, easy,
0: easy, 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 set. easy way to make money. Right. Right. So they would, the pharaohs would place curses at the entrances of their tombs to try to dissuade people, to discourage pillagers from pillaging, basically, so that they'd keep their stuff for the afterlife. His tomb was actually considered very modest. He had, uh, over five thousand items, and that's considered modest. A lot of them wow. were pure gold. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to give you some of the things that he had in his tomb. But that I, that probably again ties into the fact that he died much younger than right. He didn't he have as
1: much time to accumulate right goods. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm going to talk about when it was discovered and the unleashing of this curse <laughs> so his his tomb wasn't actually discovered until November 1922 and it wasn't officially opened until February of 1923 so he was okay. he was lost for over 3,000 years it's a long time to be lost and 3, not have 000? anybody
1: mm-hmm. okay but imagine right now know,
0: lost for this whole time
1: being like two random ladies are talking about me in the twenty first century on their yeah.
0: weird ass,
1: you know, yeah. technological podcast. podcast. Right. Like, what a cool yeah. legacy! That's dope. That's why we're yeah. here, you guys. That's why we're here. yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, anyway. they say that the, I might be a little you- bit
1: martini drunk. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they say that you what is it that you die twice the first time when you die and the last time that the last time anybody says your name. So we're still saying his name, you know, we're still still, like keeping his memory alive. Right. All right. (laughs) So I'm going to introduce you to Howard Carter. He's a British archeologist. And in 1905, he's in his early twenties. He finds a cache full of items for of funerary things that some guy probably stole and hid and maybe never made it back to make money off of it and he finds this cup and he's looking at it and it looks like it's from a very it looks like it's from a royal family so he's looking at it and he finds the inscription of the owner and it says Tutankhamen, and common and He's been doing this for quite a few years. He's actually a really skilled archaeologist, and he's never heard of this pharaoh. He's never heard of Tutankhamun. He's never seen this inscription. So he decides then and there that he's going to make it his goal to find out where this guy is buried. So a couple years go by, and he starts working for a Lord Carnivon in 1907. And they spend the next quite a few years actually digging up tombs and kind of making a name for themselves. So in 1922, from 1914 to 1922, they kind of hit a dry spell. They don't find anything. And Mm -hmm. he, Lord Carnarvon is pissed about the fact that they're not finding anything. There's no results. I'm spending all this money and I'm not getting any return on my money that I'm spending. So, so he, Carnivan is convinced that he's wrong. So he calls Carter to his estate in England and he says, hey, we're done. I'm giving up. I'm cutting funding. Carter begs him. He's like, just give me more time. Just give me a little bit more time. I, there's one more place in the Valley of the Kings that I really want to dig and look and see if I can find anything. So Carnivan agrees. And he actually gives him a yellow canary. It's supposed to bring good luck. Carter takes the canary back to Cairo with him. Mm -hmm. And he's 48 now. A few years earlier, he had investigated a line of huts. And he abandoned them and thought, you know, there's nothing here. So he actually decides, we're going to look here again. We didn't do it well enough. And on the 4th of November, 1922, a water boy actually tripped on a rock. And they found out that that was one of the stairs, the top stair of 15 steps that was cut into the bedrock. So Carter has these steps partially dug up and they didn't have any idea. They just assumed like, hey, this is another tomb. This is really awesome. So they actually called it the tomb of the golden bird because it was supposed to bring good luck. The canary is the first warning. It is perishes under strange circumstances when the tomb is discovered and it's actually seen that's seen as a bad omen because you have this good luck bird that's actually eaten by a cobra (gasps) a cobra comes into his house and eats this bird now it's in the winter that this happens yeah and it's not common for cobras to be around and awake in the wintertime So cobras were a symbol of royal power in (gasps) ancient Egypt. Yeah, the pharaoh had a cobra on their headdress that was to ward off their enemies. Oh! So Carter calls Carnivan and says, you need to come here. We found something crazy. So they've gotten down into like the first door. And he sees the seal that says Common and he's, like, losing his shit. He's oh, like, I bet that would be so exciting. It. Right? You, I mean, this is the discovery of a lifetime. So this was uh, November 4th that that happened. So on the 22nd of November, Carnivan actually shows up in Cairo. On the 25th, they're scheduled to open the entrance. So they've gotten down into, there's sealed doorway at the bottom of the steps and they can't actually open it until they have an inspector there. On the 25th, they're scheduled to open the entrance to the tomb and they actually see a hawk flying in the west. This is a bad omen. People that see a hawk should be on guard against those more powerful than themselves. And Mm-mm. a hawk flying to the west is also a sign of great danger. Carter doesn't care. He throws caution to the wind and no, just I mean, holsting He's time. Like, fuck yeah. it, I found this. Like, I've got to see what's inside of here. So they break down this door and they're now inside of a 26-foot hallway. It's full of lime and stuff. They have to clear this out. And they can't actually open this door without the official inspector. So in the middle of the night, Carter, Carnivan, and his daughter come back and they decide to take a peek. So he makes a small (laughs) little hole in the door. Yeah. (laughs) And he writes, at first I could see nothing. The hot air escaping from the chamber causing the candle flame to flicker. But presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room within emerged slowly from the mist. Strange animals, statues, and gold. Everywhere, the glint of gold. I can't imagine. I would be peeing in my pants. I would be so fucking excited to see that. Nobody's seen this stuff for 3,000 years and you're the first your the fucker to see the yeah yeah yep and, and not you, only like
1: you're they, not looking for a named pharaoh you right. have discovered a pharaoh yes no yes that's crazy to me
0: so on the 29th the inspector arrives and they actually can open the door they go into what's called the antechamber it's full of treasure it's full yeah, of it all of these things. Actually, just look up like on your computer so you can see what I'm talking about because it's so fucking cool. Just look up King Tut's tomb images. And there's a really good one that has kind of like a cutaway and it's gonna show you there's four different rooms.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think I found it. Yeah. So like that's a three rendering, at.
0: right? Yeah. Yep. Like like the part's been cut away, like the Sims.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Okay. Like the right. Sims. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> what it is. <laughs> You're not wrong, but okay. <laughs> All right, All right. Yeah. so uh November 29th rolls around and the inspector arrives and they get to open the door to the antechamber and it's full of treasure. There are six dismantled chariots. There's a miniature boat that would magically enlarge for Tutankhamen in the afterlife there. He had a club foot and I'm assuming he probably had quite a few other things that were wrong because of his parents being siblings, you know, they've, yeah. there's been research death. that was done about that. Yep. Um, he had more than a hundred walking sticks, um, furniture, loincloths. He had some afterlife snacks, Um <laughs> Meat, berries, bread, lentils, chickpeas, gourds of wine, pomegranates, pitted dates. Like a pharaoh can't be expected to pit his own dates. Uh no, he I don't had even
1: my own dates.
0: No, right. <laughs> it, so why would why would deal. a pharaoh be considered <laughs> 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 they had boxes of poultry in the shape of what it was, like a chicken, like a ch- chicken carved out of wood it's just crazy he had entire wardrobes like it just goes on they found two trumpets which i'm also going to tell you about in just a minute uh there were weapons all sorts of stuff so it takes them seven weeks to clear out this antechamber they have to catalog everything and then they have to move it to cairo so do they have to move it (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> Did they have that? Well, they have to. They have to to get to the other rooms because there's a room oh. behind the antechamber to kind of forward. And then to the right, there's another sealed off room that has two statues guarding the entrance. That's okay. Tutankhamen guarding his own body. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they have to clear it out in order to get to kind of the treasure in the middle, like the center of the lollipop, I guess, kind of. Yeah. So February 16th rolls around, 1923. There's 20 people, archaeologists, Egyptian dignitaries, and government officials. They're in attendance as Howard Carter, using the chisel his grandmother gave him for his 17th birthday, opens this chamber. The floor, you could still see the footprints of the builders that left.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. Like 3,000-year-old footprints.
0: Yeah, yep. I don't know how any of them – I think I probably would have been crying the whole time because I would have been too excited. Like I wouldn't have been able to handle how amazing this discovery was. So in this room, they actually find his sarcophagus, Mm -hmm. but they find out that his corpse has been – badly mishandled his head's not actually connected to his body um he's he's stuck actually they find that he's stuck to the inside of his coffin from the resin and stuff that they use to embalm him with It's mm. seeped out of his body and they gotcha. have to like pry him out of his coffin Ew. which is probably not helping any of this curse Yeah, just leave him be, you guys. Just leave him alone. Oh, I did want to tell you this really cool thing that they found attached to his body. You're going to love it. They found a dagger that was made out of iron from a fucking meteor.
1: (gasps) Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. You mean to tell me he's got an alien weapon. He's got an alien weapon
0: (sighs) attached to his fucking leg. It's so cool.
1: Unbelievable.
0: All right. So Carnivan didn't want people touching this stuff. It's precious. So he makes a deal with the times to allow them access. But that's it. They can have pictures. They can't touch anything. But there's so many people here because the craze, like, this has just made people go crazy. It's the discovery of a lifetime. So a lot of people were really pissed off about this and the curse of the Pharaoh kind of got put into mainstream media back then into the newspapers. And there was an article written about a tablet that was found that said they who enter the sacred tomb shall swift be visited by wings of death. There's no, (laughs) yeah, there's no, there's, there isn't any record of this phrase actually anywhere. In the tomb of Tutankhamun. And there isn't any, any obvious reason why Egyptologists would want to cover it up. But it just vanished. They don't know if it's a real thing. In another case, a reporter simply expanded on an on inscription. A the actual text says, It is I who hinder the sands from choking the secret chamber. I am for the protection of the deceased. To which this guy added, and I will kill all those who cross this threshold into the sacred precincts of the royal king who lives forever. Just stirring. They just wanted to stir the pot, I think. They just wanted to sensationalize it. So there's yeah. no evidence in any statues of Anubis that support this. You know, they okay, just wanted so to stir so this may the pot. just
1: be, like, super good journalism.
0: It absolutely is super good journalism. Yeah. No, okay. you're totally right. They just okay. wanted to... Tell a good story. Yeah. Right? So I mean, what else are you going to do in your...
1: 1923? You can't exactly. drink. Exactly. You Wait, can't can drink. You drink.
0: I don't actually know. I think I just booze just to. came back.
1: Maybe they're all just hitting the sauce.
0: Maybe. They might have been hitting the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Two months after the tomb is open, Lord Carnivan dies. <gasps> Stop. Yep. First. Okay. The money goes. victim of the curse. Yeah, okay. Fuck. So he supposedly had a mosquito bite, and he was shaving one day, and he cut the mosquito bite, and it got infected. And he ended up contracting pneumonia and septicemia, which is blood poisoning, and he died. Five minutes before Carnivan's death, the entire city of Cairo went dark. The power (sighs) went out. And in his English home, his dog died. 5 minutes after he died, the lights in Cairo came back on. Explain that to me. Stop. You're giving me full I will not stop. Chills. That is ridiculous. I will not stop. That's oh wild. So, after he dies, there is a novelist named Marie Corelli, and she starts she writes an article that says death comes on wings to he who enters the tomb of a pharaoh. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, as we know, suggested Mm -hmm. that his death was caused by elementals. They did an autopsy on Tutankhamen, and the doctor actually found a healed lesion on his cheek, but Carnivan had been buried six months previously, so they didn't know which cheek he'd been (gasps) bitten which cheek the mosquito had bitten just three years after his tomb was discovered 11 people who had either helped finance or who were related to people that had helped finance it were dead. So I don't know if this curse kind of maybe comes on in stages, like the more you disturb, the more curse you get. I don't know if that's how it works. So on the 28th of October, they actually opened the inner part of his tomb of his coffin and they find his, very iconic death mask that we've all seen everybody's seen it and we all know what it looks like
1: mm-hmm. um on the
0: back of it is it it's covered with spell 151b from the book of the dead which the egyptians use as a roadmap basically to get around in the afterlife by 1935 21 people who are all connected to the opening of king tut's tomb were dead Wow. yeah oh i wanted to tell you this really cool thing about These I told you that they found two trumpets. So they found one bronze and one copper. These would have been used in the afterlife to call his his troops to battle. So in 1939, they actually played these trumpets. I don't know why. I don't know what the fuck possessed them to think that this was okay. So this guy, Rex Keating, decides that he wants to try to raise awareness for the things that they're doing in Egypt. And... He tries to play this thing and it doesn't work. So they put a modern mouthpiece on the end of it. And the second that he tries it, the trumpet shatters. (gasps) A few months after this radio, you can hear it. I didn't want to listen to it, but then it happened. Yeah, I don't know. A few months after the radio broadcast, because, I mean, hundreds of people, uh, thousands of people heard this. Britain entered World War II. Yeah. The next Whoa. time it was sounded was in 1967, like days before the Six-Day War between Egypt and Israel happened. It was played again in 1990, and this was followed by the outbreak of the Gulf War. Its most recent outing, in 2011, it was immediately followed by the Egyptian Revolution. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Try explaining that to me.
1: Okay. Skeptics. So- you know, how many times do they got
0: to try it? Right. Yeah, <laughs> just let's stop. just keep playing this fucking thing. Just so stop. they're Yeah, just leave it alone. Like, just, can we just put it, like, can we put it back? Can we put everything back how we found it and close it back up and maybe things. Just say, you know, we found it. We're we know sorry. We're sorry. Yeah. Thanks. We're good. But no thanks. No thanks. God. Yeah. When a Pharaoh was buried, they were buried with all this food. It's going to mold. It's going to make gross stuff in the air in this tomb and people thought that maybe people that had died had breathed it into their lungs and they got sick there's a professor of epidemiology at the university mm-hmm. of hawaii he said he knows of no archaeologist or a single tourist because you gotta think at this time yeah. i mean even in the 1920s people would buy tickets to go and look oh, in yeah. these tombs yeah not a single person has ever died or been afflicted by tomb toxins ever?
1: Oh, so this is not a thing,
0: right? It's not a thing. So I'm going to tell you about some of the debunked. People that, debunked. There was a gentleman. I'm going to tell you about some of the people that died. And <laughs> um, George Gold. He was a visitor on the 16th of May, 1923. He died of a fever a few days after his visit. Lord Carnivon's half brother died from blood poisoning for after some dental work Uh, later the same year it was open 1923 Evelyn oh this one's a sad one Hugh Evelyn White he was a part of the archaeological team and Mm -hmm. by 1924 he had watched so many members of his team die that he wrote a suicide note before hanging himself with his own blood that stated I've succumbed to the curse which forces me to disappear Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The doctor, his name was Dr. Reed. Uh, He was the gentleman that originally x-rayed Tut's body. He died a couple days after from a mysterious illness. What? Yeah, there's a guy named Sir Bruce Ingham. Oh, he was a friend of Howard Carter's. And he actually accepted a gift of a mummified hand. Uh And on its wrist was a scarab bracelet, and it said, Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. His house burned down twice. (sighs) When he was trying to have it rebuilt, that house he was trying to have rebuilt got destroyed in a flood.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Get the mummified hand back where it came
0: from. Uh, Right, put it back where it came from. Put the thing back where it came from, or so help me. So help me. <laughs> exactly. Boom,
1: boom, boom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's an American Egyptologist named Aaron Ember. His house burnt down in 1926. He uh, originally escaped, but he oh my gosh, he was working on a book on a manuscript, and he goes back inside his house to get his manuscript, and he ends up dying. Guess what the fucking manuscript was called.
1: Something about Tutankhamun, in common?
0: The Egyptian Book of the Dead. A.C. Mace, a member of Howard's excavating team, died of arsenic poisoning a couple years later after the tomb was opened. But Carter himself didn't actually die until... 1939. He was 64. He died of Hodgkin's disease. So he never actually gave any credence to the curse. He said the only strange thing that he ever saw when he was in Cairo was that he saw some jackals in the desert. And jackals Mm. are associated with Anubis, the Egyptian god of death. So that was the only strange thing he saw was around this time that he was opening the tomb. and He never saw jackals before or after that. He only saw them that one time. Interesting. So perhaps his curse wasn't to die an early death, but to live a long life and see everyone around him die. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So in the last year, the outer part of King Tut's coffin was removed and restored for this museum opening, and. A lot of people think that the things that are going on in the world are because of this. And I actually read an article that was from November and there was a large procession of 18 kings and four queens over 100 other sealed and intact mummies along with 40 statues of deities, sarcophagi and masks were transferred across Cairo. There was an article published on April 13th, 2020, that states that the curse of the mummy is responsible for the recent troubles in Egypt, including the blocking of the Suez Canal. <sighs> right. Whoa. Yes. So if anybody, if any, any of the civilizations that have ever been or, you know, that we know about that would have the ability, the knowledge... And the power to actually curse the entire planet, it was the Egyptians. Yeah. I mean, the pyramids were centers of energy. So, oh my God. Yeah. In my, in this host's humble opinion, <laughs> time for Haley's humble opinion. <laughs> it's totally real. It could totally be real. Oh my God. Like, yeah. No,
1: I remember when they were opening it.
0: Yeah, they had this big procession and they had all of these items because they're having this, it's the Grand Egyptian Museum. It's more than 75,000 square feet. It's actually the biggest museum on earth exclusively dedicated to one civilization. Wow, that's that's amazing. amazing. I have some pictures that we'll post on our Instagram of some of the things there was some of the items that were found in his tomb were actually in Seattle a couple years ago. Quite a few years ago. This was 2000 13, 14 maybe. We'd okay. just come back from Dubai. And they had a big exhibit set up. And I mean, he had gold shoes. We saw this, I guess you'd call it a yacht, an ancient Egyptian yacht. Yeah. that It was supposed to magically become life-size. I mean, the jewelry, the workmanship on this stuff. It's so cool. blew me away just crazy and to be there when they opened this tomb would have just been amazing it would have been
1: so cool but also you know you would have been cursed so
0: put that thing back where we found it can we right. just put it back and apologize so many times you know, so we're I, sorry i that do that we love woke the, you up. i love the
1: idea of like traveling exhibits though that like people from all over the world can see something that they might you know who's going to have the chance to go to Egypt to see this like
0: yeah his his coffins actually supposed to be all three pieces will be together for the first time since 1922 (sighs) What, yeah, oh my god, yeah, it hasn't because they left part of it in history. That tune. just gave me chills, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. what's gonna happen when they're right. all reunited? I know,
0: I know, I oh man, hopefully, not hopefully, anything bad. like stuff,
1: maybe like COVID just disappears off the face of the earth.
0: <laughs> that would be great if you could help us out, King Tutankhamun. That would be superb. Oh my god, yeah, that's what I have on the Curse of the Pharaoh. I told you it wasn't scary. Oh, no. Well, that was so cool. And I'm so glad you went
1: with it. And I was really not <laughs> expecting it at all. This may be my favorite episode yet.
0: Excellent. That makes my heart very happy.
1: <laughs> that's so good. I was just not not expecting that. So. No. It's great.
0: Thank you Blind-sided, for sharing that. yeah. You're
1: I also real. just, yeah, I love that there's a curse, you know, because it's it's mm-hmm. history. It's real. Right. You know, there's not mythology around it, really. But then there's this curse that's
0: yeah, all the strange thing that happened with the people Very... that are involved with this and yeah. the hawks and the freaking canary getting eaten by a cobra. Like, yeah,
1: that's no, just... that's, oh, yeah, that's great. Yep. That's so much fun.
0: <laughs> Thanks to everybody for tuning in and coming on this journey with us. You will be able to check out our Instagram page at More Than Myths. We'll update this with some Headless Horseman pictures. Mm-hmm. And some king to common pictures. You can also check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is more than myths. And you can always reach us at more than myths podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah. And again, we just want to say thank you to everybody who has listened so far. We really, you know, we're doing this for fun, but at the same time, it's so cool to have listeners show up from all over the world on this podcast. The biggest thing right now that you guys can do for us is Tell your family, tell your friends, uh, tell your mom.
0: If you haven't told your mom about us by now, I don't know what you're doing. You need. Yeah, to we correct. tell you every Course time. Course correct.
1: We tell you every time.
0: But thank you guys so much again, and until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.